Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. You know, the book of Job, you can be seated because I'm going to get rolling and the thing's going to go off the rails. The book of Job, which is every defeated person's favorite book, Job went through his whole ordeal. Bible scholars tell us it was about 18 months that Job was in that ordeal. And then the Bible says at the end, Job chapter 42, verse 10, and Job prayed for his friends, and the Lord restored double everything that he, that he had lost. And then it lists everything, family, possessions, and then his health and strength. The Bible says he lived 140 years after that, enjoying his children's children, and the Lord continued to bless him. So I'm, I'm, I'm not overblowing it. Obviously, Job is not a story that's a metaphor for California, but there's a principle that, that God is unchanging. And so when that man stood through that trial, then God didn't say, well, you made it through the other side. That's great. No, the Bible says the thief has to give back seven times what he took. And so I'm preaching to people that whether you know it or not, you have a massive reward coming your way. Every stand you've taken, every seed you've sown, God saw every single thing you did. Whether people appreciate it or not, doesn't matter. The Lord keeps perfect records, and you're going to get your blessing in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. <laughs> I had people tell me, when you go to California, it's tough preaching there. Apparently, they never met you. Amen. <laughs> this, this is easy. So I hope you came in expectation. Say, say what Oral Roberts used to have people say. Say, something good, something good. is going to happen to me. Yeah, and then Brother Shambokov, you say what he would say to start his meetings off. Look at the person next to you and say, I'm getting everything for myself. <laughs> oh, yeah, because there, there is that element to faith. That, that sounds crazy if you grow up in a normal church. Where you're supposed to say, Whether I get anything or not, I just want God to touch the people. Let me tell you something. The woman with the issue of blood wasn't there to get the whole group healed. The Bible says she pushed everybody out of the way and said, I'm going to touch him, and I know I'm going to be made whole. So... You should have tunnel vision tonight that whether anybody gets anything or not, I'm leaving with a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm leaving healed in my body. I'm going to leave here and do great things for God, and there's nothing the devil can do about it. If you believe it, can you say amen? So I feel, I feel real at home, at home with you. I'm going to, I'm going to share with you um, some things that I've not shared, but when I woke up this morning, you have that thing going on at the border, which is bad. And um, the response to it, uh, the lack of response by the federal government's bad. And I just feel like I was telling Magalis um, just before I came down. I said, you know, one of the things that separated us during the lockdowns is I, did, I didn't. Number one, most people went quiet. Obviously, we did check the news and spoke out. But then more than that, you can't just sit behind a desk and tell pastors they need to keep their church open while you broadcast safely from your studio on YouTube. So I said, I'm not just going to tell people what they need to be doing. Let's hold the biggest Easter service that we've ever had, live and in person. And so we announced that. <laughs> of course, that's what took us from very small to TMZ calling my mother's house <laughs> and saying, is your son Jonathan home? She said, no. They said, when's he going to get home? She said, I don't know. They said, why don't you know? She said, because he's 40. <laughs> so apparently they need to do some more investigative journalism. I don't know whether God gave me that buzzword or, or what. When I said, we're going to have 
the largest Easter service we've ever had. It's going to be like Woodstock. I said, people are going to come from all over the country. It's going to be like Woodstock. Somehow that struck a nerve with the devil. And the next morning, I was on the front page. You know, back then, my YouTubes would get watched by like 70 people. I don't think anybody was watching. You know, I was talking like my mom and a couple of my aunts. <laughs> I didn't know I had enemies watching. And so the next morning, Pennsylvania pastor, which I wasn't, but I guess they were prof- I guess the devil knew where I was going before I did. Pennsylvania pastor announces a Woodstock-like service. I go to go to my office the next day and I get ambushed by a reporter by the dumpster. He said, what did you mean by a Woodstock style service? I said, I'll tell you what I didn't mean. We're not all going to drop black acid and roll around naked in the mud. As I meant, what I said, people are going to come from all over the place. And it blew up. So we had that service. We had 1,100 in attendance with a brave pastor named Terry Drost in Scranton that uh, opened his church, took a beating for that after that. And then we kept going. And then I felt the same way with the border thing. We can do check the news and you can sound off. But I'm going to organize something. I don't have an organized yet. This came to me this morning. I haven't made any phone calls. But I have. All the connections came to me. We're not only going to do a crusade on the border. You know, there's people from Haiti coming in. There's people from Azure Band coming in. I don't know where, how you walk from, from there to Mexico, but they figured out a way. And then there's, uh, you know, whole buses that have been seized are just Chinese nationals. They've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I feel like when the devil starts messing, God, God, there's always a way in the anointing to flip the thing on the devil. Not wait till it's over. To speak to the storm and tell it to shut up. And then go on to the other side and get a blessing. So I, I made a connection this summer of a nonprofit group that can give you as much food and clothes as you want. So we can have the humanitarian end of it. We can have the prayer end of it. I told Magalas, I feel it. Pete, number one, I've seen um, Christians. Now, not you know, there's people who go to church that are fakes. Obviously, there's people who go everywhere that are fakes. There's fake bikers, you know, all the bikers are riding and one guy's like this. <laughs> and there's fake, there's fake people in church. I know that. But, you know, they try to paint it on TV like everybody's fake in church. And they're not. If you stick around, don't run out to your car. And I'm not going to run off either. I'll, I'll, meet, I'll meet every last one of you. If I have to shave in between and, and shake hands with the other groups, fine with me. I'm, I'm honored that you would come from Los Angeles to this meeting in Los Angeles, because even if you live in Los Angeles, it takes an hour and a half to get from Los Angeles to Los Angeles. If you live at LAX, it took you 35 minutes to get here. And so I I really am honored, really am honored. I was watching that video they sent me. I posted on Instagram, people waiting in line and talking and just excited, not just here, but excited to be here. This doesn't have a feel like some church services where it feels like they're having Jesus's funeral. How many of you are excited for what God's going to do? That's my first cousin's son. Lives out in California. Thanks for opening up. Nice to see you again. Haven't seen him in a while. Man, what a night. I'm probably the happiest I've ever been in my whole life. This is a, this is a, a privilege to be with you here. I'm not blowing smoke. I'm telling you, God has something special. The devil is not going to write the last chapter of California. I promise you. The last chapter is going to be a glorious chapter. And some of you are going to be the main characters in that chapter. Hallelujah. New generation of anointed, 
strong Californians. Some of you have been in prison. Some of you have been in rehab. Some of you, the devil did everything in his power to take you out. He already hit you with his best shot and he failed. Now it's time to join hands with the nail-scarred hand of Jesus and make a run and make the devil sorry he didn't kill you when he had the chance. If you believe it, shout yes. So, just real quick. So Saturday at 10, Saturday 10 a.m. service, which I know that's not, I know that's prime cartoon watching time. But uh, tomorrow's going to be, tomorrow, tomorrow's not, you know, I'm here in three services. I'm giving it all I got, all three. So it's not like the 10 a.m. I'm going to show up with a shirt with too many buttons undone and say bro and sit on a stool. We're going to, uh, we're going to hit it. Tomorrow morning is a special anointing service. And then Sunday, Saturday night will be a blowout service. Then if you're watching back on the East Coast, I'll be back, I think, we land at uh, 7.30, 7.45 in the morning, but church isn't until 10. That gives you plenty of time to go to the bathroom, change clothes, and get right to the pulpit. And we'll, and we'll hit it again. This is, this is awesome. I dreamed of doing this. Because, oh, you're keeping quite a schedule. Do you know how many times I had one meeting in six weeks? And I told the Lord. This used to be my prayer points for the 21 days of fasting and prayer, you know, 20 years ago. Father, if, if, if you'll give me a, a full schedule, I promise you, I promise you, I'll run for you. I'll preach. I'll give it my all. I'll pray for people. I won't run off to the back when I'm done and eat a cheese tray. I, I'll, I'll bless your people. I'll be your hands and feet. If you follow me on Instagram, I keep putting that song, that old audio adrenaline song. I keep using it as my soundtrack. I want to be your hands. I want to be your feet. I'll go where you send me. Go where you, that, that, that's my thing. I still feel that way. It is an honor to be with you. You hear people say, thanks for coming all this way. You thanks for coming all this way. You came further than me. The flight from San Diego to L.A. was 17 minutes. <laughs> Amen. You, know, you, you drove a long way to come here, and God's going to bless you. So we have the morning service, and then we'll blow it out Saturday night. And um, if you know people who need a miracle, they have cancer or whatever else. If, if I'm new to you, this is the first time you've ever seen me. That sounds insane. But if you talk to some of the people that are around, you know, we document it. We have people, we had a lady at our church that came, convinced her 24-hour care worker from Buffalo, New York to drive her down. Talk about persuasion. Drive me to this church in Pittsburgh. And she did. And she came there and said, when I walked in, I felt the anointing hit me like a wall. Pastor Kofi prayed for me. 97 pounds, had to be carried to the toilet, bedridden, no use of her central nervous system. And... God, she came back, what was it, six months later to testify. Not, it took her six months to get healed. She got healed, and she's wearing high heels, carried her suitcases up to the second floor, went from 97 pounds to normal weight, normal dress, completely healed, completely turned around, all the cancer out of her body. We serve a miracle-working God. And you know, not only do we serve a miracle working God, it's not random. Oh Lord, please do a miracle. How many know sometimes we throw prayers up? It's not up to us, it's up to Him. No. Jesus gave very specific instruction. Mark 11, 22 through 24. Have faith in God. For I assure you, who was He talking to when He said, Have faith in God? The disciples. He had just cursed a tree. And the disciples said, Master, the tree that you cursed has withered from the roots up. Jesus said, that's right, and I'm the son of God, so don't any of you go trying that. He did the exact opposite, because it lines up with the rest of what he taught. 
The, he didn't say, lesser works than me will you do, or the same works will you do. He said, the same works that you see me do, you will do, and greater works than these. For I go to the Father on your behalf. Yes, ask anything you want to. And I will, not I might, I will give it to you that your joy may be full. Hey, Master, you remember that tree you cursed? Look, it's been withered up from the roots. Oh, the tree? You think that's a big deal? You see that mountain? I assure you, you can say, everybody say, I can say. You can say to that mountain, be uprooted, Mark eleven twenty two through 24. Be uprooted and cast into the sea. All that's required is that, this is the caveat, make sure you meet this condition, that you really believe and do not doubt in your heart. doesn't say don't doubt in your head. Your head doubts all the time. But when doubt comes into your head, never let it get on the elevator and go to your mouth and don't let it go in your heart. That's what the Bible means when it says, taking every thought that's against God's word captive and casting it down. I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to think about dying this year. I'm not thinking about cancer. I'm not thinking about trouble. I'm thinking about the word. The word says, I have the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith. Everybody say, I believe the word. Don't doubt in your heart. Then then they must have had their eyes glazed over. Because the 24 just like does a stern recap of what he said in the first two verses. I'm not saying, I'm not yelling this at you. I'm saying what Jesus said. Listen to me with an exclamation point. You can pray for anything. And if you believe that you have received it, it will be yours. Not believe that you will receive it. New Living Translation. Believe that you have received it. When? When you pray. That's why my dad closes all his prayers. When he's done praying, he goes, Father, we receive it by faith and call it done. You know, when you order something off Amazon, you don't say, I'm hoping to get a TV. You know, I ordered one. I'm hoping it's coming. You know, I'll keep ordering it. Well, then you're going to end up with 11. If you keep pressing the button over and over because you're nervous, you're going to have a problem. You need a call from your credit card company. No. Now, when you first do it, when you first order something off Amazon, if you remember, you check over and over again. It's supposed to be here Tuesday. It's Monday. <laughs> Let me check. And then you call. You, you do have the package. Yes, it's, it's the tracking's there, sir. After you order package number 1100, you know, Amazon's been out for a while. I don't know how many years. After you've been on there seven years ordering stuff. You have stuff show up at the house that you forgot you ordered. <laughs> Whose TV is this? It's yours. You, oh, yeah, I forgot to order that. Got winter coats coming in April. Because you have such a confidence in that company, and they've delivered so many times that you order it, click it, and forget it. Is God less reliable than Amazon? No, no he's not. Is God less reliable than Amazon? No, no he's not. So he said, when you pray, believe that you have received and you, it will be yours. It'll come. There's a season of faith from the time you launch it till it comes in. In the meantime, don't let doubt come in your heart. Don't doubt. Don't say words of doubt with your mouth. We prayed, but you know, I just feel like, no, don't go by your feeling. Every time you're tempted to speak how you feel, 
Say, thank you, Lord, that you heard my prayer and you've answered my prayer according to your word. Can you say amen? Amen. And that's why I got into the ministry. The Bible says in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus came back, when he came back from his 40 days of prayer and fasting, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. I want you to say that tonight. Say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then the Bible says, for he's anointed me to open the eyes of the blind, to set at liberty those who have been bruised, to tell the captives the time of your release is now, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. You know, if you were going to sum that up, I brought up Oral Roberts. This is how he summed it up. He used that, those scriptures to tell you what the purpose of the ministry was. And he said, the purpose of the ministry is to remove people's pain by the anointing. That's what the anointing does. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, it is the anointing, Isaiah 10, 27, it is the anointing that lifts the heavy burden and destroys the yoke of bondage. I've been preaching for 21 years. Sometimes you go to pray for someone and you, you can't see it. They look like a normal person, but it feels like they have a heavy, like a sack of potatoes or concrete on their back. They're weighed down. By life. If you talk to them, their joy's gone. Pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do. They're weighed down. The Bible says there's a function in the anointing that lifts that heavy burden. And then it says, and destroys. Everybody say destroys. That's right. God's not a pushover. There's a destructive part of God. The Bible says Jesus came, First John chapter 3. Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil. How did he destroy it? He destroyed it by the anointing. The anointing lifts the heavy burden and destroys the yoke of bondage. What's a yoke of bondage? I mean, that's the country we live in. People are bound. If it's not drugs, it's not to suicide. You know, I've prayed with, with quite a few people in 21 years. Brother Jonathan, I dream almost every night of my daughter dying. I dream almost every night of me dying. So they're free from drugs. But they're not looking forward to going to sleep at night because they're bound in their sleep by a spirit of fear. People are bound by all kinds of things. And the world promises an answer, but all they do is put you on what? Medicine. They look to make money off of your problem. I read, uh, I read a couple weeks ago, actually it was during prayer and fasting, from the studio. There's a song on the soundtrack of one of the video games I play, NHL 24. And they have a, a, a new song on there that's out that's a popular song. You should hear the lyrics. It's a fast, upbeat, positive-sounding song. The lyrics, the guy's basically saying he's going to kill himself. The whole chorus is, why is this medication doing nothing? What's wrong with me? That's how people are. They have money. They have a place to live. They have Wi-Fi. They have air conditioning. But all the things you get on the outside can't do anything for your inside. There is a hole that man has that until he has a relationship with God, he remains empty. But tonight, you're going home. There's not going to be a void on the inside of you. Jesus, you're going to carry him home. You're going to carry Jesus home with you. You're going to carry Jesus out the door in the mornings when you leave. If you believe it, can you shout amen? amen. And that's why, that's why I got into the ministry. I didn't get into the ministry to give speeches or lectures on how successful I am and how you can be successful too. Jesus came. I came to fulfill... 
What, what's the point of being in the ministry? Why did Jesus leave? You think it's better if I stay on the earth, but it's actually better for you if I go than if I stay. For if I stay, I cannot send another. He is the Holy Spirit who's with you now, but later will be in you. You're to carry out my work. That song I play all the time. To be his hands. To be his feet. I was in San Diego last night. Some of you were there. I didn't run off when I was done preaching. We had everybody in the auditorium line up. And I prayed for every single person that wanted prayer. And I'll do that tonight. Because people need help. Most people didn't have moms like I had that prayed for them every night and tucked them into bed. And everything going on okay at school? Anything you'd like to pray about? Let's read a scripture before we go to bed. People didn't have that. But a lot of the kids here are going to have it because you're not going to carry on the unbelief of previous generations. Your household is going to be a household of the word of God, of faith, of prayer. It's going to be a different California, my friend. That's a fact. So you help people. Jesus taught, then preached, then healed. And he laid his hands on all the sick of the village. I've done that to the best of my ability. I can't make people come out. I haven't been able to draw the kinds of crowds Jesus has been able to draw yet, but I'm not finished yet. I'm going to keep going. And uh, when you finish, people need prayer. I did that meeting in Pittsburgh at the soccer stadium. I just preached the salvation message. I was doing a crusade, gave an invitation to receive Christ and went to leave. I didn't want, you know, maybe it's my own fault, but I, I, maybe from TV and public school, I thought, okay, I'll preach. That's enough because people don't even supposedly like that. I'm not going to start laying my hands on people's heads and speaking in tongues. That's too far. But you know what? I go to leave. First lady, excuse me. This lady, first time, never been to church. I was going to say it's our first time in church. We were at a stadium. Excuse me. My child has leukemia. Could you pray for her? So there's something about the word of God that no matter what you're preaching on, there's nothing really you can preach out of the Bible that's not going to direct you to a supernatural God. And not just he's up there somewhere and has supernatural power. A supernatural God who has all power and loves you. You. Now God loves all of you. But I also know he loves me. Everybody say, God loves me. How much does God love you? So much that he spared not even his only son. He didn't just drop a bunch of books down from heaven. He sent Jesus in the flesh to shed his blood for me. So that I can have a relation, not so I can get my name just in a book and go to heaven. Although if that was all it was, I'd still sign up. But so he could have a relationship with me. Walk with me. What did he do with Adam in the cool of the day? Walked with him. He loves you, cares about you, cares about what you care about. Having a daughter changed my ministry. Because uh, to just watch her care about things and when her mom prays with her at night, you know, I said to her mom like we're divorced. Uh, my wife, my wife pray with her at night. I notice every time Camila gets in trouble at school, it's um, your daughter did this. I, th- I thought we made her together. It was my daughter. When I hear him praying, Camila asked for the most inconsequential things. I'd like a fish. 
I'd like a fish tank. I'm telling you the truth. And then the next week, I mean, we're not going to put on Facebook our daughter asked for it. I could buy one. Maybe we would get her one. But before we have a chance, oh, 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 God, can you, I'd love a fish and a fish tank in Jesus' name. Now, if you have an old religion, well, what do you need that for? There's more important things. You know what? When you're all powerful, you can deal with the Syria crisis. You can deal with what's going on in Israel. And you can give a little girl a fish without batting an eye. Because he's not limited. He's not your stepdad that's I got a lot going on right now. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's God Almighty. El Shaddai. The God of more than enough. And he's got plenty for everybody. Can you say Amen. And want someone to give a fish tank and a fish. Hey, I know it's kind of stupid, and I'm sure you probably already have it, but I, I'm telling you, when I was praying, I felt the Lord speak to me to give you a fish tank. No, it's not stupid. It was, it was a request was put into heaven, and you heard from the Lord. And so if God, you know, God do, if God takes time to mobilize people to do something like that, how much more? For things like ovarian cancer, blindness sitting in on one of your eyes. I'm telling you, don't, don't repeat what you've heard on TV. When you get older, you know, certain things go wrong with you. No, that's not a scripture. Whatever you came in here with, that's what I was up in my room doing, not just getting dressed. Lord, whatever any of these wonderful people from California came with, whatever problem they've been afflicted with, let the anointing tonight lift every heavy burden and destroy every yoke of bondage. Some of you will never touch alcohol the rest of your life after tonight. Some of you will never have another debilitating sad thought the rest of your life. You are leaving this room free by the power of the blood of Jesus and empowered by the fire of the Holy Ghost to live in victory over the devil for the rest of your life. One more time, if you receive that tonight, take 15 seconds, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Come on, give Jesus a great praise in California. One more time, shout aloud, hallelujah. Well, say something with me. Say, the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Yeah, and that goodness works anyway. You don't have to be in a church. You can be in a hotel ballroom. You can be in a soccer stadium. You can go down like we're going to do. We're going to go down on the border. We're not just going to pass out clothes and stuff. We're going to preach to people that are coming in from nations that have never heard the gospel. And I bet you, I told Magalas upstairs, I bet you if we announce that, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a thousand people that sign up not to attend, to come and work. Christians are great people. It's like they, 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 they want to do, and they're, they're, there's either nothing to do that's given to them to do by the leadership, or they're actually quashed by the leadership. Oh, I know I know you went to that meeting Friday night and got all wound up. But you can get yourself killed going down to the border. You can get yourself killed going to Compton. Get yourself killed in it. People are nuts. Not you, other people that don't live here. People are absolutely nuts. I heard you're going to Angola with Bishop Doug Haywood Mills. You is it safe there? Is it safe in Chicago? We're safe. 
Anywhere my two feet are standing is safe. For he orders his angels to protect me wherever I go. I'm telling you, you're not going to live a life of avoiding risk. You're going to step out of the boat from tonight. And as you step out of the boat, you're not going to fall into the water. You're going to find the word of God. Keep you on top of that water in Jesus' mighty name. I said in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm stepping out of the boat. I'm not saying stuff just to fill time. What I just said, I'm repeating to you. Some of you are going to step out of your boat after tonight. And it's going to look like you're going to sink, but you're going to find like Peter found. As long as you keep your eyes on Jesus, that word that he told you is going to keep you walking on the water that would drown anybody else. Most Christians are risk adverse, but I'm not talking to those people tonight. I'm talking to Southern California Christians that have been defying the king's command for 36 straight months. And now there's a new you. See, what the devil meant to kill you actually made you stronger. When that, when that, thing, when that thing hit in 2020, I thought, to myself, why does this have to happen? Why can't we just go on to doing what I was doing in 2019? I liked it better. than You know what? Looking back on it, biggest mistake the devil ever made. Because Christians, we like Christians are so asleep and materialistic in Southern California. Not now, they're not. Now, now they're on fire. The devil has created a major problem for himself. Can you say Amen? I even heard Governor Newsom in an interview says he didn't know what to do because his oldest son's been listening to Joe Rogan's podcast and going in the other direction. Let me tell you something. The devil is a professional screw-up. He doesn't have the capacity to take this great state out. There's enough firepower in this room to run the devil clean back out of California. God's going to give you fresh fire tonight, fresh anointing tonight to trample on the enemy as if he was dust under your feet. So rejoice and be glad for the Lord has given you the victory can you say amen so I'm going to get that thing rolling on the border I'll see you there we'll have a good time we're going to roll we're going to roll like a 3,000 deep crew the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to make a mark in the United States of America before Jesus comes back and California will not be left out. Every person that's listening to me right now, you have your place. If you're watching me online and you're anywhere near Southern California, get here tomorrow at, at, at 10 a.m., 7 o'clock. This is a launching weekend. God's going to fill you with the fire of the Holy Ghost and launch you, whatever you are. If you're a minister, then you're going to be an on-fire minister. If you're in business, you're going to be an uncompromising, on-fire Christian businessman. If you're in the educational field, you're going to be an uncompromising, will not bow my knee to bail, will not kiss his face. University student, you're going to come back and not be overrun by wickedness. You're going to overrun the wickedness right in your school in Jesus' name. If you believe it, can you shout amen? Very quickly, I want you to take your Bible and go to Mark chapter 16 with me. It's about time to pray. You people don't need broken through to. You came ready. Mark chapter 16.
Mark 16, verse 14. Still later, when Jesus appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating together, he rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. Then he commanded them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to who? I knew you'd know. People in California are smart. You live in a place where the tax rate's 38%. You got to be smart just to live. <laughs> Find creative things to do with your money. Amen. Why am I bringing up going to all the world and preach the gospel? This is a clip from a, one of the largest Christian podcasts that there is. Once again, people, can we stop trying to preach to people that have never once again, people, can we stop trying to preach to people that have never said that they want to follow Jesus? Yeah, and I posted it and just wrote, no, we can't. <laughs> Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Can you say amen? amen. Why can't you Christians? See, now, now it's one thing when you have people outside of the church telling you to be quiet. You don't see me repost that. People that hold that aren't in the church. What did Paul say? This is my motto. He said, I certainly don't judge those that are outside the church, but it certainly is my responsibility to judge those that are inside the church. Now, Paul said that. I don't go judging everybody in the church. But if you're a leader and you're using your platform as a Christian leader to tell people, people, can we please stop trying to preach to people that don't even claim to be Christians? If everybody followed your advice in the book of Acts, it had died before chapter 2. The Great Commission. Everybody say Great Commission. Great commission. By the way, who gave that Great Commission? Jesus. Jesus. Now, I don't know how you feel, but I've always felt Jesus is a central figure in the Christian faith, and his command should be taken seriously. He, everybody say he commanded them. Amen. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. Why can't you Christians shut up about your faith? Why can't you Christians keep your religion to yourself? It's against our religion to keep our religion to ourselves. This is not, there are other religions that basically take the posture. If you're in, you're in. If you're out, you're out. No big deal. Do whatever you want. We found this. If you like it, you're welcome in. If you don't like it, no big deal. But that's not Christianity. Paul said, I would be forever cut off and be accursed if the Jewish people would receive Christ as Messiah. He said in Romans 1.14, what a tremendous responsibility I feel. Say that and let yourself hear yourself say that. Say, what a tremendous responsibility, a responsibility. I, feel. I feel. And then he told what the responsibility was, to preach the gospel to Jews and Greeks, educated and uneducated alike. See, if you get filled with the Holy Ghost, and many of you are, and many of you will be tonight, because I'm not just going to tell you about them. This is, we're going to pray. You need to, these not, aren't just lessons. They weren't, they weren't listening to a lesson in Acts chapter 2. The church was birthed when tongues of fire came and settled on each of their heads. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Fresh, fresh oil is going to get poured on you tonight. Can you say amen? amen. So, so you, you have to have that fire. You have to have that anointing. 
Go into all the world and preach the gospel. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you'll start feeling a responsibility by the Holy Spirit. In the natural, what difference does it make to me what's going on at the Texas border? I live in Pennsylvania. Even my church is in, in Texas is in Fort Worth, nowhere near the border. So I could just go and figure, it's a shame what's going on. We should control the border. It's not my job. Why, why would I get, get a uh, lawyer to sue the Attorney General of Pennsylvania to keep churches open when I'm not even a pastor? Didn't matter to me. I'm an evangelist. I actually had less overhead with more income sitting home broadcasting. I don't have to fly anywhere. I don't have to bring a crew out. I don't have to get any hotels. Fine with me. That's why a lot of people shut their ministries down. They actually realized after about two months, you know what? People are still tithing. People are still giving. We don't have any overhead. We don't have to turn the building on. Nothing. We could do this a long time. So why do I got to sue? Well, I waited for somebody else to, to do so. Well, I'm sure somebody's going to do something. Nobody did anything. You don't have to be too old to realize people that are supposed to be doing something are doing nothing. So you can get discouraged. This country's a mess. Somebody should do something. Or you can take the attitude that basically everybody God used had. David's mission at 17 years old was to bring bread and cheese to his brother's captain. And then come back and work his job as a shepherd. And he goes and there's a nine foot six inch man taunting Israel. And David didn't say, man, those military guys are going to light you up. Actually, he found out. He said, how long has this guy been doing this? Like 10 minutes? No. What, like, like five minutes? No. Four, uh, 40 days and 40 nights. And why is he still standing? Have you heard what he said? Oh, he has a spear the size of a weaver's beam. He has a shield. It's a, it's a certain size. They knew all about their enemy. David said, so no one's going to do anything about this? All right, I'm going to take his head off right now. And actually, chapter 17 of 1 Samuel would be a very short chapter if people would have just said, good, we're behind you. But he spent the bulk of the chapter not fighting Goliath, having his brother accuse him. Oh, you're going to go fight the giant, are you? I know all about your pride. You just want to see the battle. Go back and take care of our father's few sheep. That's the reward you get for stepping out. I'm telling you that up front so you know what you're signing up for. When you step out to be used of God, people that should support you, are get, they get jealous. I tweeted something a while back that got major traction. I said, people are comfortable with you having success as long as it's at a lower level than them. But as soon as you start to approach anywhere near where they're at, they start to turn on you. They start to accuse you. They start to go behind the scenes and make life hard for you. But you're going to do the same thing that David did by the anointing, which is every person that lines up to put you back into place by the anointing, you're going to say, no, I'm taking my five smooth stones and my sling, and I'm taking this guy out today in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say, I'm not backing down. Oh, yeah. When Rodney Howard Brown got arrested, did all the pastors in Tampa say, hey, that's great you're doing that. I'm glad you stood up. No. There's a pastor standing with the sheriff that arrested him at the press conference that opened his Bible and told how Rodney Howard Brown's not a good pastor. Pastor's lining up to the, uh, Jonathan's doing having that Easter service. He just actually wants to get his name out there and uh, he's being selfish. People accuse you because very few people are going are gonna to actually go, you know what? 
I've missed it. I've been a coward. I should be doing what this guy's doing. So then rather than do that, they come up with some reason you have pride. You're arrogant. There's going to be people that come home tonight that are in this meeting. That are going to get criticized for sitting here. Why'd you get her that thing? What did he talk about? I don't think you have to go out to the exhibit. I don't know why you go to that thing. I don't know why you'd go all the way out there for that. Meanwhile, you could go, you've been driving somewhere for an eight year span before this, drinking yourself blackout drunk, sleeping with people. Nobody ever sat you down and told you, Hey, I'd be careful doing that. No, as long as you're compromised, as long as you're in sin, nobody had a problem with it. But the second you step out in faith to do something for God, everybody rises up to put you back in your place. But I got news for those people. You're leaving here tonight with something they won't know what to do with. You're coming back, not having heard a lesson. You're coming back with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead on fire to do great things for God. Come on, I hear an army in here. I hear an army in here. Oh, clap your hands. All ye people, shout unto God. With the voice of triumph. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be damned. And these miraculous signs. Now, whether you like this being in here or not, it's in here. Say with me, these miraculous signs will follow everyone who believes. One more time. These miraculous signs will follow who? No, I can't say that. There's no way it says that. Miracles died out with the last apostle. What does the Bible say? Let me tell you something. Unless somebody, unless you went to seminary or something and had somebody misread the Bible to you and add stuff to it, there is no way to read this and be anti-miracles and anti-healing. Amen. I like that kid. These miraculous signs will follow who? How many people? Everyone who believes. So it's not apostles. It doesn't say these miracles will follow some special people that the Lord has made saints and beautified them into the church. No. People came up with reasons why they weren't having miracles. Even in the Assemblies of God, when I was, when I was preaching as a, as a young man, like very young man, you know, they'd introduce me and say, now God uses Brother Jonathan specially in the area of healing? No, he doesn't. Basically, I just set my services up differently. I prayed for people. I didn't rush off to the back. Hey, come with us. You must be tired. Let's get something to eat. No, I actually don't want to get anything to eat. That can wait. Because that old preacher... In Louisiana said, there's a broken heart on every pew. And you realize there's people, sometimes people come to church and they've told the Lord, I'm going to go there and uh, see what happens. But if things stay the same, I'm, I'm going to kill myself tonight. Sometimes you have a couple come that has made up their mind they're going to get a divorce. And somehow, probably by the Holy Ghost, they drove by a church and said, let's go there Wednesday night. 
So they're having a meeting. Let's just see if anything happens. And if not, then we're, we're going to shut the family down. You take the kids. I'm out of here. And so I'm not preaching to people that are looking to have a 28-minute message and then be having mimosas with their girlfriends at brunch. I'm looking for people, A, that are, I need God to do a miracle for me. And then B, if you're like me and you don't need God to do a miracle to get you out of a pit, you know, you can stay in the flow of miracles. Elijah didn't need a miracle to outrun the king's chariot. God just added him strength, supernatural strength for the journey. Philip didn't need to get translated to another place. He wasn't in need. God just translated him. So you're going to get a miracle tonight, but the flow of miracles is not going to stop. I said the flow of miracles is not going to stop. You're going to walk in miracles from now till when Jesus comes. An unbroken flow of miracles for the body of Christ in California. If you believe it, can you shout amen? amen. Everybody say miracles belong to me. One more time convincingly. Miracles, miracles. belong to me. Because I'm a believer. What if I got to heaven and found out I wasn't even an evangelist or a pastor? I was just a believer. Doing what God said to do. Discipling people, preaching the gospel, all that. I don't don't care about any of the other stuff. Ask Abraham that travels with me. Hey, we're going to put you in the green room. We'll leave you alone. Somebody opens the door. Sorry, I didn't know you were in here. Yeah, I'm not manufacturing heroin. I'm not naked. You can come in. I'm a believer. You're my sister in Christ. You're not the helps trash emptier, and I'm the mighty pastor. Amen. I don't know. I, I haven't had a chance to tell you this, but you probably already know. Sarah that's on the front row. I was preaching in India. She saw me on Check the News. She wasn't born again. She liked, she liked me yelling at Gavin Newsom. That seems to be a great unifier in this state. <laughs> Now, if you're watching Governor Newsom, we, lo- we love you, but ease up on the hair gel, please. So she came to Indio on Sunday morning. I think, it was I doing? Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning. And uh, she came, and then she messaged me on Instagram, hey, I-, I wanted to see you, but I didn't see you before you slipped out to the back. It was nice being in your service. And I felt very strongly in my spirit, that was her one time checking church out, And if I let her go down the road, she's going to go down another road. And I wrote her back. I said, come back. turn, Do a U-turn and come back and come meet my wife and I in the back room. And she did. And came back with her son. We talked for a while and prayed. And then she messaged the Dallas after that, which is nobody's business. So I'll leave it about major changes she made. I knew that that was a divine encounter. And now she's volunteering at this meeting. Her son digests the word all day long, every day. And they're living on a different level by the power of Jesus Christ. That's right. Somebody say this. Say, I'm a believer. I can save you a lot of time paying entry fees to goofy conferences. What spiritual gifts do I have? At this conference, we're going to have you fill out some paperwork, and we're going to find out what spiritual gifts you possess. Say this, I'm a believer. believer. And the Bible says, you don't have to say this part. The Bible says, these signs follow how many who believe? Oh, In my name, they'll cast out devils. That's supernatural. They'll speak with new tongues. That's supernatural. 
They'll lay their hands on the sick and the sick will recover. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. And uh, uh, they'll take up serpents with safety. That's five supernatural signs. And the Lord worked with them. Confirm, and the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked with them, confirming what they said with signs and wonders. One more time, say, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Say, as a believer, as a believer. I'm, a I'm a candidate for the entire power of God. To flow through my body. To flow through my mouth. To flow through my hands. To accompany me everywhere I go. Do I have the gift of healing? You don't need the gift of healing. If you're a believer, the Bible says these signs will follow all who believe. They'll lay their hands on the sick. And the sick will recover. You don't need the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit to heal somebody. You being a believer with Christ on the inside of you gives your hand power to lay your hands on the sick and the sick recover. Am I an evangelist, do you think? Who cares? What difference would it make? Every believer is to go and tell people about Christ, true? Yeah. Then if you start seeing a bunch of people group up to hear about Christ, and before you know it, there's like, wow, where did all these people come from? Then, yeah, maybe you are. But what difference would it make? I'm going to tell you right now, everything I'm doing in life isn't because I took a personality profile test at a charismatic conference, and they said, you have giftings to be an evangelist. If I took that test with a speech impediment and braces on my legs, they wouldn't have told me I had a speaking gift. They'd have told me the exact opposite. Not everyone has to speak. You know, there's other things you could do. You know, the pulpit needs flowers in front of it. You can help with that. By the way, whoever did that, please don't. I, I needed some type of example. One lady weeping in the back. <laughs> no. Everything I'm doing is just doing what I was led. It wasn't, I'm an evangelist, I need, to, I need to buy ties, and I need to book meetings. And No. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons and daughters of God. I was eight years old, and an angel came to my room. That did help. Jonathan, God has reserved you for this last period of time to be an evangelist, to call men and women that are now in darkness into the light, for soon it will be eternally too late. Do you understand? I said, yes, with my speech impediment. But two years later, all the sounds I couldn't say, after the speech therapist quit, they all went away. And God made my mouth able to do what he called me to do. Because your weakness gets perfected in his strength. Don't worry about what you can't do. Concern yourself with who's on your side. And I came to tell you in California tonight, the Lord is on your side. And because he lives, you can live like he lives. Ten years old, followed my dad to Zion Bible Institute. He was preaching. I was just sitting there because I'm his son. And then they opened the altars to pray at the end of the meeting. And I came to the altar and knelt down to pray the second my knee hit the ground. When you're old enough, this is the school. Bounded out on the inside. All right, now I know where to go to school. Then I went. Then you weren't supposed to start working at a church till your third year. But they called me into a room and said, they need your car. 
Not many students had cars to ride the team up to a church in Lexington, Massachusetts to a pastor named Dr. Samuel Bambara. Would you be willing to go? I called my dad. I said, do you know who this guy is, Samuel Bambara? Oh, yeah. He's a good guy. So I told him the opportunity he had. He said, I feel in my spirit it would be good for you to do that. That would be a great guy to work for. For two years, I did nothing. I helped out in the children's department as like an assistant, assistant children's worker. They didn't even trust me to be like a full assistant. I was like the, the Dwight Schrute of children's ministry, the assistant to the assistant. And then I helped out in the youth group. And then one day the youth pastor had a nervous breakdown. Told the pastor, I can't do this anymore. I quit. And the pastor called me in and said, listen, so-and-so just quit. Said he can't take it. It's, it, it. I guess those four kids in the youth group were too much for him. They weren't even bad kids or anything. They were like straight-A students. I don't know what, what the problem was. He said, uh, I know you're only 19, but would you do this? I did it. We had three kids the first youth meeting. That was every teenager in the church. And I passed out the Billy Graham um, Operation Andrew cards. I told them all to write down six of their friends from high school and start praying for them. And then in six weeks, we were going to do a big event where they can invite their friends from school and do an outreach. So we had the three turned into a whopping 11. I preached. About four of them got saved, which brought us up to seven. Did it again six weeks later and grew that thing till it went to about 60 coming on Wednesday nights in a church of 120. And then they had me pray on a Sunday night. I prayed. And at, when I was done praying, we finished the service. The pastor's wife, Genevieve, came up to me and said, that was a great prayer. I said, thanks. She said, Sam, why don't we have him preach? He said, all right. You want to preach next Sunday night? I said, sure. I preached that Sunday night on Jesus. I prayed for Dr. Sam's brother who laid flooring. His back was all bent crooked from laying flooring. He's an old man now. Skeleton's all messed up from always being, being, you know, doing hard labor. And I was preaching and I saw him, which he didn't normally do, like this, lifting his hands the best he could, crying. And I said, without thinking, now I'm going to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. No. I saw that guy and was drawn to him. And I said, come here. And I prayed for him. And I'm telling you, <laughs> I didn't do a good job concealing my surprise that my prayer worked. Because as I was doing my textbook, Assemblies of God prayer, oh, I mean, I meant it from my heart. Oh, Lord, I ask you right now, I'm like mid-sentence, and you start hearing the bones pop and snap, and I could feel them shifting. I didn't even, I wasn't even going to pray for that. I was going to pray like a safe prayer where if he didn't get healed, they couldn't blame my prayer because I didn't really, I just asked for the Lord to like be with him in his old age. So it was, it must have been his faith, but I prayed. I didn't have faith to pray. And when that happened, he was crying and then he lifted it. He said, look, and his brother was crying and everybody that knew him in the church was crying. And so they said, why don't you do all the Sunday nights? And so that was my junior year of, of Bible school. So I'd drive an hour and a half up to Boston and do the Sunday nights. Then he asked me to do a Sunday morning. I did a Sunday morning. Then he started having me do every third Sunday morning. And God put me there and gave me experience preaching to Boston people that were like this. So it taught me to be a good preacher. You got no cheap amens. People stared you down. People treated you like you came in from another religion. And I had to learn to preach. And when I got out of there, I had nowhere to go. 
And I said to the Lord, now listen, I've done everything you called me to do. I'm not going to get on the phone and start calling people. Excuse me, do you know my dad and my uncles? I'm, I'm related to them. I'm out of Bible college. Can I come preach? I said, I've done everything I asked you to do. I'll do everything you ask me to do in the future. But I ask you to now open doors for me. I get a call from a youth pastor in New Brunswick. Hey, we're having a youth camp. Somebody told me about you. Would you come up and preach our youth camp? I did. Then a pastor that was in New Brunswick, Canada said, heard you did that youth camp. Before you go home, will you come preach Sunday at our church? And I did. Then a guy called me two weeks later. Hey, three of my grandkids were at that youth camp that you preached. I pastor in southern Maine. Would you come and preach for a week at my church? And I did. Three women came up there from Vermont. And then I got invited at that church. And I went. And then I kept going. And then to skip a lot of time, 2014. I'm going to tell you what brought me to California. Everybody say, be led by the Spirit. Spirit. Now say this, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons and daughters of God. So now you can say two things. Say, I'm a child of God. I'm a believer. I have access to God's supernatural power. And I have access to God's leading. You want to know what God's leading feels like? What made you watch an insane AI-generated Dr. Dre Snoop Dogg video and say, I'm going to that? I guarantee it wasn't your head. I guarantee your head was going, why are you going to that? I don't think this guy's all there in the head. But something on the inside of you said, no, I belong at that place. And you moved around your schedule and did whatever you had to do and arranged whatever transportation and child care or gave your kid a couple of NyQuil. We're not here to judge, but you did something to get yourself here because you followed the leading of the Spirit. Well, I'm going to tell you something. When you do that, you're going to find out tonight what happens and you're going to find out for the rest of your life. The Holy Ghost never leads you backwards. The Holy Ghost never leads you to destruction. The Holy Ghost leads forward and to the blessing and you have a blessing coming your way tonight in Jesus name somebody say I'm led by the spirit you want to know what brought me to California I uh 2014 I was doing a meeting with Pastor Rodney Howard Brown and uh this this guy had gotten saved completely supernaturally Obviously, salvation is supernatural. But the way he got saved, I'm not throwing that around as a buzzword. I've never heard anything about it before or since like this. He said, my wife told me she was going to leave me. Mexican, uh, uh, Mexican guy living in California, and he said, my family is everything. I had a wife and three kids. She told me she can't take our marriage anymore. She's going to leave, and rightfully so. You know, he, he was not being a good husband. And he said, I thought, if I'm going to lose my family, I don't even want to live anymore. So I don't know what to do. And he said, I remembered from growing up in Catholic church that they said it's in times like this that you need faith. But I didn't know what faith is. So I went on YouTube and typed in, what is faith? And my video came up, which back then, I don't know that I had a thousand followers on my YouTube. I was not the first video that popped up if you put what is faith. You got to pay a lot of money to be the first video that pops up on something like that. And he said, your thing popped up and I clicked it. And I listened for about 60 seconds, and I didn't like it. Well, that's 20 seconds longer than it takes most people to realize they don't like it. (laughs) Said, so I scrolled. 
And when I scrolled up to another video, I started watching it, and your video came back on my phone, started playing again. So I X'd it out and pressed the other video. It played for a little bit, then yours came back. And I shut my phone off and turned it back on and put the other video back on. And your video came back. And I said, well, forget this. And I turned my phone off, put it in my pocket, and went to go to work. And he said, all of a sudden, I felt something burning hot in my pocket. And I picked it up, and my phone had turned back on, and your video was playing. <laughs> and he said, when that happened, I told my boss, I said, give me a little time. He said, because one of the reasons I didn't want to watch your video was two hours long. You know, you know what? Yeah. How, how was that video you watched? It was good. Well, you're, it's been two hours. You're fired. So he said, I said to my boss, can you give me two hours? I, I, I'm going through something right now. He said, yeah, sure. So he said, I went to my truck, watched the whole two-hour video. What is faith? And I received Jesus Christ at the end. And then you prayed for everyone. And I lifted my hands and I felt God touch me. So I drove back home, busted in the house, excited. Well, when you just had a huge fight with your wife and say you're going to get divorced and you come busting back in the house two hours later, she thinks it's going to be round two. Or you went out drinking, now you're going to come back and take it to another level. So she, he said, when I walked in, she said, no, I don't want to fight enough. He said, I'm not coming back to fight. You're still welcome to leave me. But I want you to watch this video. This is tell you how old it was. He said, I took the red, ye yellow, and white cord, connected it from the phone into the TV. What's changed in 10 years? And popped your video on. And she watched it with me for two hours. And then she gave her life to the Lord. Her sister lived in the house with us. Now, at this point, you know, three in the afternoon. They've watched it twice. The kids came home from school. The sister-in-law came in. And they sat everybody down and replayed it. And the whole family gave their life to Jesus Christ. So then they wrote that to me. His name is Mateo. And he said, when are you coming to California? Well, I had a mode of thinking back then. That as an evangelist, you go to a church you're invited to. I didn't know you could, I didn't know they sold these things to anybody. Anybody can rent sound equipment. So they said, when are you coming to California? And I'd write them about every three to six weeks, they'd ask. And I'd say, I don't have any invitations there right now. But uh, keep praying and we'll see what opens up. Just put them off. And then April, I'm walking into a meeting. When are you coming to California? And I got ready to tell it was the sister-in-law. It was like they rotated who would ask. <laughs> I got ready to tell her. Her name was Stephanie. Same exact thing I'd always type. Uh, there's no invitations there right now, but pray. Maybe God will speak to a pastor's heart. And when I got ready to type it, as clear as I heard the Lord tell me, when you're old enough, this is the school to go to. Peter traveled to go preach to one family in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius' house. And he was the head apostle of the entire church. And he did a meeting at their house. Are you bigger than he? I, I didn't even wait for it. No, I'm not. And I wrote, I'll be there very soon. She went, great. Went where? I thought, well, I'll tell you when I know. And so I was just going to go because the Lord said that. I was going to go speak at their house to them. But then I thought, people are going to find out on social media that I'm here. I didn't have many people. But, you know, even if four other people come, that's who, who wants anyone else in their house? And then they use your bathroom. They break the faucet. Their kid goes into your pantry and eats all your Tostitos chips. You know, I'm just thinking all this stuff. So I said, well, just to be fair to them, 
You know, they might live in an apartment or whatever. I'll book a hall. So it was $2,200 a night. I can't remember what, what hotel we booked. I think it was one of the ones on this strip. And we booked a little ballroom for $2,200 so I could preach to the seven people in that family and whoever else came. Opening night, there was, I booked, and then I thought, well, you need music. I booked a band, Teddy and his musicians. I put them up in hotels. I plane tickets, paid for everything. And so I thought, this is the stupidest thing. If I, if anyone hears what I'm doing, they're going to think I like lost my mind. Hey, Jonathan, so, so you're going to preach in California. Uh, where are you going to preach? To this guy named Mateo's family that I met on Instagram. Like, wow, how bad is your ministry doing? And Pastor Rodney called me leading up to it. He said, uh, where are you headed to for your next meeting? I said, I'm going to California. He said, what church? I said, I'm not going to a church. He said, well, then where are you going? I said, I'm going to tell you, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> so I told him the whole story I told you, told you. He said, you're going all the way out there to preach to one family. And I thought he was going to say, like, listen, you need to use your head. You know, that's not smart. Because they're going to be about $20,000. Obviously, I'm not going to try to beat it out of the seven people in that family. <laughs> Go over to the three kids. Who of you is going to sow a 1000 tonight? Who of you? <laughs> Don't tell me you came into God's house with no offering. Look at you. I don't care if you are three. Get your checkbook out. I don't care that you don't have a bank account. Give me your Lego cars. And there's no way to recoup the money. Pastor Rodney said, wow, that's one of the most awesome things I've ever heard. Then he spoke in tongues on the phone. Then he said, I'm going to give you a word from the Lord. Because you obeyed God to go visit that family, God's going to open a whole city to you. I said, praise the Lord. You know, I was just glad like somebody who was more seasoned didn't think I was nuts. So I go there. I did what I, I was so happy. There weren't seven there. There was like 40 some people. I think, I think my uh, cousin's son that I hugged earlier, I think he was there and his dad. And a bunch of other people came. And then it grew to like 60. I did three services. I think I did Friday, Saturday, and Sunday morning. And it grew from 40-something to 60, which I was expecting seven, so I felt like Billy Graham and Oral Roberts wrapped into one. Look at this crowd. <laughs> but I did exactly what I felt I was there for. All seven of them, the three kids, Mateo, his uh, wife, and the sister, six of them, all got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I knew that's why the Lord sent me. And then I went home. And Pastor Rodney had given me that word. I get a call from the mayor of National City, California, that we saw your YouTube and we want to invite you to National City to do a crusade. That was 2017. And that was right when there was the shooting at the MGM in Vegas. And we did that crusade. There weren't 48 people or 60. There was 2,200 people in attendance. And we had over 2,000 first-time decisions for Christ. Over the course of that week, my dad came and preached on Bible prophecy. And that was my introduction to California. God supernaturally opened a door for me to come here. I still have never preached at any church in Los Angeles or Orange County. Even this meeting. You know, when your media team starts sending you videos that the whole lobby is packed. I tried to go on a side door before the meeting started. There were people waiting for me there. And everybody happy. They, would have thought, they must have thought this was like... 
the opposite of an Alcoholics Anonymous convention. Like I'm going to be, it, it had like a party feel. People came excited because this is not a normal meeting. This is a supernatural, divine meeting. God's hand is on it because God's hand's on you. God didn't bring you here so you could hear some stories and hear some scriptures. God brought you here because he's going to fill every last one of you with the fire of the Holy Ghost. You're not going to watch California get changed by the power of God. His power is going to flow through you and bring a change to your generation in Jesus' name. Say it with me. Say, I'm a believer. And say, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a child of God. I'm a child of God. So say, I have access, I have access. to God's miracle, power. God's miracle power. And I have access, I have access. to the leading of God's spirit. Jesus. Now lift your hands in your seats and just begin to thank God that those two things are going to operate. Those two things are going to begin to operate this year like never before. You're going to clearly hear God's voice saying, this is the way. Walk ye therein. And then every time you're faced with an obstacle, the power of the Holy Ghost is going to kick in on you. And it's going to overwhelm your limitations of your flesh. You can put your hands down and look up at me. Everybody say God's supernatural power. I didn't have, it's not, it's not like now. To spend $20,000 to go speak for three days to a family, I probably had $29,000 in my ministry account. It was like crippling. So how come every time that thought came to my head, I did it anyway? And not only did I say, now would it be okay if we met in your yard? How come I booked a nice ballroom? How come I brought the same band I bring for my crusades? Say something with me. Say gift of faith. The same way God's power will flow through your hand to heal people's bodies. My Uncle Ted teaches it like this. My Uncle Ted teaches it like this. Of the nine gifts of the Spirit, eight do something through you for other people. But one, the gift of faith, does something for you. It's a gift you receive that does something for you where you look at Goliath. Hallelujah. And when everybody else sees a massive soldier that can't be beaten, you say, I got a stone and a sling. I can hit a milk bottle at 100 yards. That guy's got a pimple the size of a Toyota Prius. I could kill him with my eyes closed. And when other people see disadvantage, you begin to see advantage. Say this out loud. Faith sees the reward. You know, Pastor Rodney called and gave me that reward from the Lord that because I was faithful to go talk to one family, God was going to give me a city. But before he ever said it, there's always something on the inside of you when faith is functioning that you know God's not giving me instructions just to give me. I hate any of that kind of teaching. Uh, God, God doesn't want us to get in our comfort zone. He wants to keep us unsettled. I, I don't know what the heck they're talking about. I've been a Christian for 40 years. I don't know what they're talking about. How many know God doesn't want us to be in our comfort zones? What if your comfort zone's being used of God? I'm very comfortable going to the border in a few weeks, a few months, whenever we end up going, and do what we're going to do. I'm, I get uncomfortable sitting around for too long, and I'm a very peaceful person. I could sleep anywhere. 
I'll sleep on the plane. I sleep, I got no, I'm as peaceful. I'm like Daniel in the lion's den, asleep. Peter in prison, asleep. It's not, I'm nervous. But I like God giving me an assignment. I was glad when day 12 of the fast. Go to the West Coast. Tell the people there I love them. Who's going to show up? Who cares? You see Nikki Haley's political rallies? No one shows up there. She keeps doing it. She's spending $130 million. She's not embarrassed. You know, you, you think I'm joking around, which I am kind of, but that keeps people back. Who's going to, how many do we have registered for LA? What if the room's empty? Then it's empty. Who, give, who cares? Who are you trying to impress? What's Reinhardt Bonnke watching from heaven going, hmm, I had a million people in Lagos. If you lose the fear of people and the wanting to impress people and just step out and do what God's called you to do, not caring what you look like, not caring what people's reaction is, but being able to lay your head on the pillow at night and say, I obeyed God. I did what he called me to do. I did what heaven assigned my life. That is where the joy of life is. Can you say amen? Can you say it better, amen? amen? Lift your right hand to the heaven and close both eyes. Say, thank you, Father, for a grace to hear your voice and then do what you say, not caring what others think. My brothers and sisters, and I don't mean to sound like a cult leader, but you are my brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't care. In fact, when I lay hands on you tonight, I'm going to impart the spirit of I don't care. You know, that spirit of I don't care is why about 80% of you are here and like me anyway. That guy doesn't care. I do, I, do, I do care about one thing. I care very, very much what God thinks. And I care not at all. When I say I don't care at all, I don't mean the rebellious, I don't care I really don't care. If you watch me on my Instagram live today, a guy said, said something disrespectful. I said something back to him. He said, I'm, I'm 69 years old. I've never had anybody talk to me like that before. I said, well, now you have. If you're waiting for an apology, you're going to be waiting a while. I'd say it again. I don't care. Jesus didn't go back and find the Pharisees and say, now listen. I know I called you guys whitewashed tombs full of dead man's bones. I haven't eaten in a while. I think, No. I'm not talking about being a jerk and going around and insulting people, but I don't care. God can only use you to the level of criticism you're willing to handle. For your own good. Because God's not going to put you in a mental institution because he used you at a level where you're not. If you can't handle attacks from your mother, I'm not talking if you're six. I'm talking if you're 50. You know, we do like that kind of church, but my mother. How old are you? If you can't handle attacks from your own house, before da David killed Goliath, he had to overcome what his brothers thought of him. He had to overcome the taunts and jeers of quite a few people, enemies' camp and his own camp. When Pastor Rodney got arrested, he told me one time, did you know you're the only one that returns my phone calls or texts right now? Everybody went missing. Oh, yeah. When you're high, everybody wants to come find you. When you're low, nobody wants to come see you. They criticize. 
They have something to say. They criticize Jesus. They criticize him in Mark chapter 6. But I have the ability, because you can only give people what you have. I do have something in my spirit. We're taking this stuff for a long time. I'm a Pentecostal preacher's kid that went to public high school. I don't have any feelings left. I haven't had any feelings. How do you feel about that? I don't know what feel is. I just know what the Lord said. Do it. People are going to talk. And when you stop caring, not, I don't care. I mean, really not caring. Like if a four-year-old kid right now pointed at me and went, I don't like you. I want to go, well, why? <laughs> I think if we got to know each other, you'd find we have more in common than we have. No. <laughs> if he said, if a four-year-old kid stood, or I was walking out of the lobby, I don't like you. I just, probably tired or whatever, comes from a bad home. You know what? And it's no different when someone's four or when they're 44. When they're four, they're cranky because they haven't eaten and they're tired. When they're 44, they're cranky because they haven't eaten and they're, and they're tired. <laughs> you remember that one time, if you watch me on YouTube, some lady was ripping me apart. And I said to her, have you not slept in a while or are you hungry? And she wrote, I haven't eaten in a while. I'm sorry. That's it. She's calling me a false prophet. What am I going to get mad? She spelled it P-R-O-F-I-T. You're a false prophet. Uh, okay, listen. Go to a community college English class and leave me alone. I am not, I am, I'm a true prophet. No, because number, number one, I don't even, I'm not even out trying to prove. I'm a prophet or an evangelist. I am an evangelist. I don't think you're a real evangelist. You're welcome to not think that. Insults are differences of opinion harshly expressed. And people are allowed to express themselves. Everyone doesn't have to agree with me. When you allow God to put a divine grace on you, where you're genuinely unmoved by the criticism of others and by the praise of others, but very moved by what God's voice says, brother, you're on a launching pad for God to use you to shake your generation. One more time, I see several hundred people here tonight in Los Angeles that will not bow to man, that will not bow to Baal, that are going to take a run at Goliath and do what God's called them to do. If you're one of them, take 30 seconds one last time. Clap your hands, all ye people. Come on, clap your hands. Come on, give Jesus the highest praise. Hallelujah. Lift both hands to the Lord. May you receive tonight the spirit of I don't care. I care what God thinks. I care what God says. And many of you that are in here already have that. You had to cross the bridge. There's people in this room that got disinvited from your family's Thanksgiving dinner. Because of your choice not to take a shot. You've already crossed those bridges. When you learn to wear, I'm not talking about being a jerk and going out looking for it. But when you learn to wear the insults of this world as badges of honor, you're on the right path to be used of God. And I see people tonight that are on the right path to be greatly used of God. Because when you take that bullet out of the devil's gun, he doesn't have many more bullets. When you take the bullet of people's opinions and harassment 
I thought you were a real Christian. I thought you loved your mother. When you take all those bullets out of his gun, there's nothing, nothing he's got left. You mind if I pray for you? Step out into the aisle. Lift both hands, close both eyes. As you do, the fire of God comes upon you. When you're weary from the fight, he brings times of refreshing from the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. We sang a song in summer camp one year. I think it was 1996. It was the theme song of the camp. He brings times of, it's out of the book of Acts. He brings times of refreshing. He brings times of refreshing. You guys don't have to play it. It's like an acoustic guitar rock song. He brings times of refreshing to my soul. When I'm weary from the fight and trying to do what's right, he brings times of refreshing to my soul. You know, Sunday morning in Pittsburgh, I'm going to preach on compromise. And I'm going to play that clip of Carrie Lake getting that call from the head of the GOP, telling her, name your price. Guys back east have told us that they want you to, to get drop out of the campaign for two, at least two years. Tell us how much money you want. She not only won't take any money, if you listen, she's eating the whole time. That guy's telling her basically that the cartels are operating in all 50 states and words come from back east and these are powerful people. It's a threat that you need to, you need to bow down. She's eating pretzels. No, I don't think I'm going to do that. You can hear chewing. That's I don't care. When Goliath is telling you he's going to feed you to the birds and you're eating a Snickers bar. It's a sign to them that they're perishing. That they don't have any control over you. Think of this now. The devil can't make anybody serve him. The devil can't make you bow down to Baal. When they found out that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had not bowed, the king called them in and said, I'll give you one more chance. That's all the devil can ever do is give you one more chance. Because he can't make you. In 21 years of giving altar calls, I've never seen anybody raise their hand to give their life to Jesus. Then go to come to the altar and a green thing appear and push them back in their seat. It's never happened one time. How come I know you in the blonde hair? Fresno, you drove all the way from there. Come right out. I'm going to pray for you. Put both hands on your belly. Lord's given you a supernatural touch in your lower organs that digest food and process blood going into you right now. In Jesus' name. Whatever you ask the Lord for on the way down, he puts it in your body right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thanks for coming. Praise God. Everybody say something good, something good. is happening to me right now. Christianity is too simple. You've got you to pay conference fees to have people confuse it up for you. Hear the voice of the Lord. Do what he says. And when you do what the voice of the Lord says, he'll never have you do it in your own strength. That's what the, the operation of the Holy Ghost is. It's him giving you and coding you with his divine strength. Hallelujah. To do what you couldn't do at all That's right. with ease. To do what you couldn't do at all with ease. Before you know it, you're holding glass head in your hand like a Louis Vuitton purse. What in the world just happened? What is this? You keep going. And everything with God grows. 
First the blade, then the ear, then the corn on the ear. First time I came to L.A. 10 years ago, 46 people, and I was psyched. That's a 90s word that means excited. <laughs> there ain't 46 people here now. Then the day will come, we'll make jokes about this meeting. We're in a much bigger venue. So remember when we were all praising the Lord because we had 400 people in that ballroom? It's just going to keep going up. So it's going to keep going up. I'm going to pray for him, but before I pray for him, let me pray for you in the white and black. Come right out. A lot of times when you use your faith for somebody else, it brings a reward to you because what you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. When you deal with a long-standing battle, it wears you out. But when you're weary from the fight and trying to do what's right, he brings times of refreshing to your soul and to your body. Be healed in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you, second, black hair and glasses, then I'll pray for the other two. How'd you find me? Where do you know me from? Oh, yeah. I've heard of that guy. Lift both hands. Close both eyes. As you do, the fire of God comes upon you. You, I don't throw around words. I'm telling you, you will be used greatly in this last day move of God. People will wonder who that is. You'll be a sign and a wonder to your generation. In Jesus' name. I pray for these two gentlemen. Nice to meet you. You mind if I pray for you? Whatever injury you've taken to your central nervous system, I loose the miracle working power of God to heal it right now. In Jesus' name, every prayer your mother's prayed for you, your father, every prayer that's been prayed for you, receive it in Jesus' name. I command you to get full speech, full range of motion, full central nervous function. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Same for you. Standing and believing. Receive times of refreshing into your body. In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus. Well, guess preaching time's over for the night. Time for miracles. Tomorrow. If you're here tonight and you planned on coming to two out of the three services... Come to all three. I got three services with you, and I'm not going to waste any time. Tomorrow I'm going to deal with faith, which you need, and you need to know what it is out of the Word, and then tomorrow night will be a blowout service. If you have to work, remember it's January, and you have all your vacation days. I hope you didn't use all your vacation days before the 26th of January. I've just been tired, boss. And if you've used all your vacation days, just tell your boss you're using all your smoking breaks for the next 11 months all at once. (laughs) This thing's going to grow. This thing's got wheels. Let me pray for this fella in the light blue shirt and beard. You mind if I pray for you? I won't do anything weird. You don't have to fall down. People fall down. You don't have to fall down. I don't wait. Lift both hands. Close both eyes. In the name of Jesus. You know what happens many times, and this is the case with you. If you read the story of Gideon, when the angel came to Gideon and told him that he was going to use him to deliver his people. 
He said, I'm low. I'm the lowest of the low and I'm not the one for the job. But you know what he was doing? He was threshing wheat in secret. You know what it was illegal to be doing? Threshing wheat. So in his mind, he was some weakling, but he was already doing things subversively to the oppressor of his people. Many people that are here, the, the reason you got attracted to me was you liked me yelling at the government and saying what other Christian leaders wouldn't say. But you weren't spiritual. You just didn't like evil. It's not enough to just not like evil. You just post on Facebook and whine. You need power to overthrow that thing. And the Lord's going to add that spiritual power to overthrow the Goliaths of your generation. When I lay my hands on you, God's going to fill you with the power of the Holy Ghost. And you're going to run the rest of this year and do great things for God. Your prayers are going to get answered. Be You're going to have the best year you've ever had in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. You know, I was, going to, I was going to give a salvation altar call real quick. Let me just take another stroll around. I feel like, like people came with great faith. Let me pray for you real quick, if you don't mind. You two are together? You don't mind if I pray for her? Lift both hands, close both eyes. As you do, put one hand on your belly. As you do, the fire of God comes upon you. You're filled with a fresh filling of the Holy Ghost, and God heals your body. That's it. Mind if I pray for you? Come right out. Lift both hands, close both eyes. As you do, the fire of God comes upon you. In Jesus' name. There it is. More. Take more. That's it. In Jesus' mighty name. Be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Just stand the aisle and let the Lord touch you. I know you're holding kids and, and all that, so you can just stay where you're at. Be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. God's going to make fatherhood easy. I don't know if husbandhood is a word, but if it is, he's going to make that easy. You're going to lead your house in the fear and admonition of the Lord and be a strong man. Any battle you had to fight growing up, none of your children will ever know those battles. In Jesus' name. Sometimes the Lord has you give a word to a person and then tells you to give it to the congregation. I tell every person in this ballroom, every battle you had to fight as a child, your children will never know those battles because they're going home with a father that's a man of God and a mother that's a woman of God. If you believe it, can you say amen? That song, He Touched Me, wherever Sister Clarita is, I'm going to have you sing it. Lift your hands. Sing it if you know it. Most of you know it. Hallelujah.
Sister Clarita, I don't know who's made you feel like you're not welcome here. But you don't have to hide in the back in the plumbing. You're welcome to come up on the platform. We literally built it for you. I'm going to have her lead that one more time. I want everybody to lift their hands. And you probably know the words by now. I want you to sing it if you know it. Let this anointing heal you right now. Some of you are going to get filled with the Holy Ghost right now during the singing. Come on, let's enter in. Go ahead. As they continue to play that, this is Isaiah 54. This is the scripture the Lord gave us on the fast. Verse 2. Enlarge your house. Build an addition. Spread out your home. And spare no expense. Enlarge your house. Build an addition. Spread out your home. Spare no expense. This is a year, not of tiny increase. Not we had our best financial year ever. Last year we had $809,000 come in. This year we had $817,000 come in. I'm talking double. I'm talking astounding testimonies. Now, when you lay hands on people, there is an expansion that takes place on the inside of you by the Spirit. When you have the right people lay hands on you. How many of you were at or watched what no eye has seen when we had it in Pittsburgh? I, I was laid out several times that week, which is not normal for me. Bishop Dag laid hands on me. I was out for so long, I didn't get to say bye to him before he went back to Ghana. He was gone. When I woke up, the most of the lights were out. And then Paul Nietzsche. Bishop Dag has 6,000 churches. Paul Nietzsche has a 90,000 seat church. When they finished, that was the first week of July. July 22nd was when we launched Fort Worth. We had 140 people in Pittsburgh at all night prayer last year. This year we had 450 in Pittsburgh and 300 in Fort Worth. That's in one year. From 140 in one location to 700 in two locations. Somebody say double. Somebody say more than enough. Somebody shout overflow. Somebody say double. More than enough. Overflow. That's what, I'm not, I'm not telling you that. I'm not telling you that to brag. I'm telling you this is not charismatic happy talk. I mean, a double. And then you come back the next year, but church is the same size, business the same size. Every pastor in this place, I have news for you. Your church is going to double by Christmas time. Practically double. I said your church is going to double. 
Enlarge your tent. Spare no expense. Build an addition on your house. Can you say amen? amen. Every evangelist that's here, you're going to have a... F- <laughs> when I lay hands on you, you're going to get an impartation for too many meetings. Not enough time. Too many open doors. Not enough time. This is an enlarging time. It, now, I want you to keep... So I don't need to keep bringing up COVID. But you think back two years where it looked like this thing was finished. I don't know about you. I, I mean, I never stopped moving then. But I, I made up my mind. If this thing pops open again, I'm running. I want to make the devil sorry that he let this thing slip through his fingers. And the devil did let it. He's a professional screw-up. And he screwed up again. And now we have a window to remind him that 2,000 years ago, he got his tail in kicked on the old rugged cross and Jesus is alive and he lives forevermore somebody shout hallelujah somebody shout I'm going higher so that's what this laying on the hands is for it's impartation you don't have to stop me when I'm going around I also have an ear infection the same Holy Ghost That'll give you a church in Pittsburgh and Fort Worth by grace will heal your body. There's not two of them. There's not one that's a ministry specialist and the other that's a doctor. The same spirit that'll turn you from somebody who can't confess Christ to a girl at a campfire to in charge of a church of 3,120 people. He'll do that for you. Can you say amen? It's the same Holy Ghost. Double. Double. You think there's no reward for standing up? Double. Double. Minimum double. Anybody watch any of the services this week in Reno and Phoenix? Was I saying what I'm saying now at any of those other places? No, I was not. I'm telling you in California, double. This state's not going to have little dinky churches with little dinky buildings with no parking. This, church, this state is going to have the largest churches in the United States of America with big parking lots and thousands of people getting baptized in the Holy Ghost, dancing in the Spirit, and you're going to be the ones to make it happen. Can you say amen? Amen. Tonight, tonight, the chain of smallness gets broken off your life. Lift your right hand to heaven and shout it from your spirit. Say, tonight, the chain of smallness is broken off my life. You're not going to preach in a church that testifies against your faith. Victory World Outreach Center. It's a living room with 20 seats. That's not a church. Make some moves. 
We're going to break the, the, the curse in America where pastors have big houses and tiny churches. Put God's thing first. I'm tired of talking to pastors. You know, we don't have our own building. Yeah, but you found a way to get your own house, didn't you? You got a big, beautiful house with nice carpeting, and you got a piece of junk church with indoor, outdoor, ripped up carpeting. That's a priority thing. I said, that's a priority thing. Make your moves for the kingdom. Stretch out your tents. Make moves. Make moves in your business. Don't put you first and give God what's left. Put God first in 2024. Congratulations, you two. Congratulations on the baby and everything else. Take two steps forward. Lift both hands, close both eyes. You already went up a level since I saw you last, and you're going up another level. Bigger offerings, bigger crowds. You're already having big crowds. They're getting even bigger. This is the time of expansion in Jesus' name. Increase on the inside of you in Jesus' name. The same grace Adalas has is on you, where you'll raise a kid and preach and not miss a beat on either thing. Say it out loud in Jesus' name. I can chew gum and walk. I can raise a child and do the ministry. We're kind of just taking a step back. We had a puppy born. No, that's getting broken tonight. Can you say amen? You'll do things that other people can't do at all. It'll be like one of the nine things you're doing. It's by grace. I, you know, this, this, this month, I think I'll have preached about 60 sometimes. That used to be a year's worth of preaching for me. The money that came in uh, last week didn't come in the whole year of 2017, preaching all week, every week. Things grow with God. I said, things grow with God. And when God asks you to take a step forward, he never asks you to do it with last year's budget. As you go forward, the provision's there. I said, as you go forward, the provision will be waiting for you there. I'm not wasting time. I'm I'm, I'm instructing you by the Holy Ghost because you're going to do big things. This year. There's not a lot of years left. Everybody say this year. You know, we're making a move. The building's going to cost $1.1 million. We need 1,100 partners. That No, you don't. Get the building. But I don't have the money. Your father has it. You know, one time, God spoke to my grandfather to buy a piece of property because they had outgrown their church property. He pastored for 62 years. He had no money. He didn't have any money, and the church didn't have any money. He went to the land, knocked on the door of the house that was there, And his high school classmate answered the door, who I think he dated. She said, Mickey, is that you? Yeah, it's me. The Lord spoke to me to buy your land to expand our church. How much do you want for it? For you? I'll I'll give it to you for such and such. Well, he didn't have that amount either. And so he said, okay, I'll take it. Write up the contract. And while she was writing up the contract, the Lord showed him the woods and gave him a plan. And he wrote up another contract before he had bought the land to have somebody harvest all the lumber off the land, which paid for the land and had enough money left to build the church cash. That's called the gift of faith. 
That gift of faith is in you. Quit, quit looking at what you don't have. You have the gift of faith. And that gift of faith will move any mountain. Somebody say, I'm a mountain mover. I pray for you. You can go right back to rocking your baby. Lift both hands, close both eyes. Jesus loves you a lot. Your hunger for God's palpable. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after God, for they shall be filled. Filled. Too much. Overflow. You're going to do great things this year. Great things. You're going to do great things this year, my friend. You're going to go bigger than people thought. You're going to have family members pull you aside and ask you, how would you afford that? How were you and your wife able to get that house? Did you get a raise? I pray God embarrasses you with blessings this year. I pray you have to answer questions all 12 months. How were you able to do that? You can point up and say, I serve El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. Somebody say, I'm unlimited. unlimited. Say it like you actually believe it. I'm unlimited. I serve a limitless God. I'm moving forward by faith. One last thing, and I'll leave you alone. And by leave you alone, I mean go longer by praying. You're going to find something that most people never get to find out because they would never make the move. If you move forward, God gets interested in what you're doing. There is no anointing or anything that deals with God that has an interest in maintaining He's a God of fruitfulness and growth and multiplication. So when your plans are to maintain the budget and maintain the amount of people you have on staff, maintain the size of your church, he who tries to keep his life for himself will lose it. That's how you die. But he who gives up his life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will find true life. Everybody say move forward. Jonathan, start the church in Fort Worth now. Hey, everybody, we're starting a church October 1st. People come up, congratulations, where's the building? I'll let you know when, we, when I know. I'm just telling you what I was told. We're starting the church, everything flowed. Money came. That church was financially self-sustaining week one. So it feels like a risk. We already have a good church in Pittsburgh. Why risk it? The risk is not in going forward. Say something with me. Say there's no risk, there's no risk. in faith. Only in unbelief. Faith is no risk. Sorry to ruin all your California faith messages you've heard. I know faith's a bit risky, amen, eh? No. The risk is not doing what God said. The risk is in not growing. I bought the first building for the church in Pittsburgh. It was the wrong building. We never used it for one service. God had us sell it, and we made 35. God, God helped me. He gave me a different building than the one I actually needed. He'll honor. If you're going to make mistakes, make them going forward. And you won't make many mistakes going forward. You won't make any mistakes going forward. Anybody in the sound of my voice that the greatest regret of your life is you realize God opened a door and you missed it. The Lord's opening a new one for you right now. And this time, you won't miss it. I said, this time you won't miss it. One more scripture, and then we'll pray. Ephesians 3.20. A scripture that's half quoted. Stay on your feet, because I'm going to line you up in a second. 
Ephesians 3.20. Now all glory to God. This is how it's usually quoted. Now all glory to God who is able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. But they leave out a part. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us. I probably did not have the capacity to have a church, two camp, a church in Texas and a church in Pittsburgh uh, June 30th. But after hands were laid on me by Rodney Howard Brown and Dag and Paul Nietzsche, I wasn't laying there thinking, oh, now I want to do what they did. I bet you my insides just got expanded enough in my spirit that a second church was, was you can't have people like that lay hands on you and not have things happen like that. Your, in, your outside of your life is first determined by your inside. Until something changes on the inside, nothing ever changes on the outside. And God works by the Spirit. You can read all the self-help books you want. If you've got a small, little, tiny, emaciated spirit, you're going to have a lot of ideas in your head and you won't have the power to carry any of them out. But when you've got a big King Kong spirit, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're going to start doing things without even thinking about it, and it's going to be other people that let you know you did something. Hey, how'd you do that? You don't even feel like you're doing anything. I don't know where my, my friend Abraham, my assistant Abraham is. But I said, you know, if you heard me get introduced in San Diego, the guy said, well, I've been watching the schedule you keep. I get tired just looking at your schedule. I'm not tired. In fact, we finished preaching, packed up. We only had a 17-minute flight up here and then an 11-minute drive to the hotel. So Raphaela's here, her husband. We went to this place on the, on the shore in San Diego in between. Keeping that, you know, it's amazing what the grace of God will do. I felt like when we went out to that meal on the ocean, I gave the, the lady a $100 bill. I said, can I get a table right by the water? Because before I gave her the 100 she said, the table's by the water all booked up. I said, what if there was a crisp $100 bill that made its way into your possession? She went, she said, something just opened up. <laughs> then we went and ate by the water. And I, as we were eating, I said, I feel like I've had a four-day vacation just sitting here doing this. I'm not tired. I feel better at the end of this trip than I did at the beginning of the trip. And I felt fine at the beginning of the trip. Everybody say, Grace. Grace. How are you doing the church in both places? Grace. I did it. I didn't do it. I didn't get the plane and do it. There was no plane in July when I announced the church. I did it, and then God gave me the necessary transportation. When somebody drops a Falcon 50 off and says, just fill it up with gas. That's fine. A lot of times they leave those gas pumps unattended at night. You can go take all you want. Everybody say, faith makes things easy. Oh, yeah. Lift both hands one final time. Say, thank you, Jesus, for sending the Holy Spirit. I receive him big on the inside of me. Enlarge me on the inside so I can enlarge your kingdom on the outside. Enlarge me on the inside so I can enlarge your kingdom on the outside. The things of God are voice activated. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Don't talk about what you don't have. We don't really have any help. I don't. Start talking the Bible. I can, thank you, Father. Every time you feel weak, 
Thank you, Father. I can do all things because you give me strength. Not I need strength. You give me strength. I receive that strength. Like the psalmist said, I will be anointed with fresh oil. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you came to this meeting or someone brought you to this meeting, and you came just to get them off your back, you need to hear this guy. All right, I'll go. And now that you're here, you have felt the still small voice of Jesus speaking to you on the inside to be born again. Before you're born again, life continues to be a struggle because you're in Satan's camp. The Bible says there's two camps, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of his dear son. Until you enter Christ's kingdom, you can quote all the scriptures you want, You can make, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, your Facebook profile. It doesn't matter. Until you're born again. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old life is dead. Behold, all things become new. Until that happens, you're just a, you're a person that doesn't have the capacity trying to do things that you don't have the capacity to do. You're trying to stop doing drugs. You're trying to stop drinking. You're trying to be a better husband, but you can't do it. But if you'll let Jesus change you from the inside out, how? You're only one prayer away to turn your back on sin and say, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. There has to be a time in your life where you do that. September 23rd, 2006, I got married to a Dallas. We stood at an altar and in front of a hundred and some people, she took a vow to be my wife and I took a vow to be her husband. The Bible says Jesus is coming back for his bride. What's the difference between a girlfriend, a fiance, and a bride? All three women love the man, but only one has stood at an altar And made a covenant publicly, I'm going to be with you forever. What if a doll sent a note up with her, with her, uh, uh, bridesmaid? Hey, she still wants to marry you, but she doesn't really want to be seen up there in front of all those people with you. Time to run. But when you stand in front of a group, say, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm doing this publicly. I pledge my life to you. I'll never leave you till death do us part. That's called a covenant. That's where altar calls were birthed out of. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Some of you have stood and stood and stood, but you need to make this final stand. You don't get to go to heaven because you've stood principally for good things. You have to have a time where you stand. I'm not living for this world. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. Have you ever done that? Can you identify a specific time in your mind where you publicly made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? If you've not done that, I'm not here to berate you and say shame on you. That's why I'm opening up the altar for the rest of your life. In fact, even tonight, you can go home and not say, well, I had a good time there. No, for the rest of your life, January 26th, 2024, I told the devil to get lost and I received Jesus Christ and oh, what a glorious change. You can lay your head on your pillow tonight. And know you have peace with God. Your sins are all forgiven. If you're here and you say, Jonathan, when you pray, 
in about one minute, I want to pray with you. I want to make tonight the night that I make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior in Southern California. The thing the devil tried to stop for three years, you're going to stick it in his face tonight. If you say, Jonathan, that's me. I'm doing that tonight. I want you to put your hand up high right now. We're going to pray together in Jesus' name. I see your hand. Who else? Put it up high where I can see it. God bless you. Who else? Yes. Who else? The Lord's dealing with your heart. Surrender your life. Surrender your life to Jesus. Holding nothing back. Not holding on to sin. Anyone who can hear me, you don't have to be registered for this event. If you're a worker, or you're walking through, I want to get right with God. I'm tired of living in sin. Very quickly, everyone that lifted a hand, I want you to come and join me. We're going to pray right now. Come right now. Go ahead and clap for them as they come. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you as you come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Who else? If you lifted a hand, I want you to come. Make it public. Make it count. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. All right. Let's pray this prayer. God bless you. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. I am saved. I am forgiven. I am clean. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me pray for you. I respect you so much. Coming to the meeting, coming forward, giving your life to Jesus. From today, everything changes. You won't need any special prayer. There's no praying for four things that are out of order. The old life is dead, and all things become new. That's it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The blessing of the Lord overtakes you. That's it. A new heart he gives you. A new life he gives you. In Jesus' name. Welcome to the family of God. Stay right here. These are my two friends. They're going to give you a gift. Then you can come back to your seat. Give your new brother a great hand clap. Your new sister. Give Jesus one more great hand clap. Be seated briefly. I'm not going to get the service back after I pray for you. And there's people that came to sow seed. No one has to give anything to get prayer. Obviously, I'm not checking who gave. I won't even know. But there's people who want to give, and there's people that God spoke to you while you were here tonight. Like we often do on the online broadcast. Tonight, I want you to write in the memo of whatever you give, dream seed. I'm sowing this in the first month of this new year, believing for the double. You can write dream seed. You can write 2X. Oh, Brother Jonathan, I'm not believing for 2X. I'm believing for 10X. Why don't you go for two first? People, Christians, man, they're interesting people. Talk to them about being a millionaire. I'm believing to be a billionaire. Yes, why don't you start by becoming a thousandaire? Amen. But say 2X. Yeah, that's not small. If, you're, if you have a church of 30 and it goes to 60, that's, not, that's big. Everything's percentage. Can you say amen? Envelopes are in your seat. If you're making out a check, you make it out to Revival today. 
If you're watching online, revivaltoday.com, you click give now. And then it has all the ways to give listed right there. Thank you for your giving. Not just tonight. How many of you are partners with our ministry of giving before online without ever even meeting or anything? See, to me, that's astounding that the Holy Spirit would do that where a lot of you have never met you to watch somebody on YouTube and just respond to the Lord like that. And then I bet you the reason you kept giving was you saw a return come. Because seed produces a harvest. And this is good seed into good soil. Can you say amen? Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit RevivalToday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.